Whether it's the race for the presidency or the battle over the governor's mansion, it's officially debate season. This is Viewpoint from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm your host, Ashton Mara. On the national level, voters see the two major party candidates for president go head to head for the first time on television. In West Virginia, the Democrat and Republican running for governor are also preparing for their close ups. What one academic says they all can learn from decades of televised debates. That Republican candidate, Senate President Bill Cole, sits down to discuss his top priority this election cycle, finding a way to aid West Virginia's struggling economy. And we know many coal miners support Trump, but what about the men and women in the oil and gas fields? Those stories coming up on Viewpoint. This is Viewpoint from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Monday night marked the first presidential debate of the 2016 election cycle. Democrat Hillary Clinton joined Republican Donald Trump on the same stage for the first time. And the same is about to happen on a West Virginia stage. Tuesday, Republican Bill Cole and Democrat Jim Justice will meet in Charleston for their first of two televised debates focused on the top issues facing West Virginia a struggling economy, a high unemployment rate, and a less-than-effective education system, just to name a few. Bill Cole sat down to discuss his debate preparations and his focus this election cycle, jobs. So there's some debate over whether a poll is necessarily a reliable thing, but there have been many polls over the past few months about this race. Some show you down by as many as 10 points. Others say maybe there's just a one or two point difference. And while there are inevitably voters who just disagree with you, they're not going to vote for you because they disagree with you on policy stances. There are others who aren't voting for you at this point because they don't know who you are. As you head into this debate on Tuesday, how are you working to connect with those voters, people in the northern panhandle or the eastern panhandle who aren't really aware of who you are and what you stand for? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, maybe sometimes a little surprised. What I announced last year on June 2nd, and, and since then I've been all over the state, put myself in front of as many people as I possibly can, and not just, you know, just the hand-picked bunch, but open town halls and, you know, where there's real give and take. Uh, I look forward to, to the to the two debates uh, because I do believe that that'll give voters an opportunity to 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 see what you know see the contrast in the candidates and 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 what our plan is to move West Virginia forward to to where she should be instead of where we find ourselves now. Uh, I think the debates will be greatly helpful in that. But listen, I'm one of I'm working every single day. I'm all over the state. I'm in the Eastern Panhandle, the Northern Panhandle. I, you know, I, I North Central. I'm, I'm I'm just trying to get in this front in front of as many. People people as I can between now and election day. I think that that is what the difference maker will be, in my opinion. So you mentioned this, but the first of two televised debates on Tuesday. Are you preparing for it? What is it that you you need to do? What do you need to accomplish? Well, I, I think that uh, it's important that I show the voters that I, in fact, have a plan to move West Virginia forward. It will uh, it will piggyback on to, to my performances in two years as Senate uh, president 
in leadership. I think we've advanced so many important reforms for West Virginia, legal reforms and regulatory reforms and passed right to work and a repeal of state prevailing wage and a repeal of Joe Manchin's cap and trade as if Obama and the EPA aren't doing enough to destroy our coal industry. We had to pile on with our own version of cap and trade. Uh, but I think it's an opportunity to get in front of the voters and say, I have a plan going forward. I have a plan to lead West Virginia back to, to, to where to where the state needs to be. We have so many things going for us, and, and, and we should be one of the richest states in the nation. Instead, we're one of the poorest. Over the next two weeks, the voters are going to get the opportunity to hear a lot about your policy stances and that plan that you discussed. But what do you see as the number one issue facing West Virginians today? Lack of good paying jobs, period. We have, we have less than 50% of our adult of age, able-bodied workforce working. We're at 48 percent, the only state in the union to ever fall below 50 percent in workforce participation. It's simple. We have we have budget issues. We have we have drug issues. We have issues with infrastructure and education, and and so many of those uh, are directly affected by the amount of money coming into the treasury. And quite simply, that's a result of people working rather than being on the on the welfare rolls or, or, or being uh, needing assistance from the state when, when in fact they could be providing uh, income tax and, and consumer sales tax because they'd have more money to spend. It's important that we get West Virginians back to work. How do you affect change in that area as governor? Well, we we certainly continue the policies that we've that we've put forth in the last two years legislatively. Uh, we need to make West Virginia a state that is conducive to the job creators and 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 supportive of the job creators that we already have here. When we, when we talk about economic development, so many times it's it's what company can we lure in from from out of state. But we forget to knock on the doors of the businesses that are already here and say, you know, what can we do for you and how can we, how can government help you and support you? As governor, uh, maybe the biggest, I think there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, uh, the governor needs to lead the, the, that economic uh, uh, effort. To, to attract new businesses. But, but, the, but the biggest thing that the next governor better do if we truly want to put West Virginians to work is get government out of the way. We are the 50th most regulated state in the nation, according to Forbes magazine. 50th. We're last place. And, we, and it's time we get that onerous overreaching bureaucracy out of the way and, in fact, have state government partner with businesses to, to move them forward. You're a candidate from the Southern Coal Fields. And so obviously the decline of the coal industry is something that you talk about often. Do you think that your focus on reviving the coal industry, which you can argue is declining because of regulations, because of global energy prices, because of global demand, but does your focus on revitalizing the coal industry hinder the state from diversifying its economy? Absolutely not. Uh, listen, I'm I'm always going to be out in, in front of, of of supporting our our fossil fuel uh, industries, both our natural gas, oil, uh, as as well as coal. Uh, listen, those are those are God given resources that He chose to put under the ground of the state of West Virginia, and it'd be crazy to to turn my back on that. But diversification is critically important. It's exactly what we don't have, and it's exactly why we have so many problems now with the with the budget uh, because once we put the coal mines and the coal miners out of work the revenue quit 
And, you know, we've, quite frankly, under under decades of Democratic leadership, we became a very business-unfriendly state, and states, you know, they're going to go where they want it, where they're wanted. They're going to go where they can thrive, where they, where they don't have an extra headwind called state government working against them. So those are, you know, those are the things that we have to do in order to diversify, but uh, all the above are important. I want a broad economy, but 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 the fossil fuels, our natural gas and our coal industries, are what can move West Virginia just from good to great. Let's get back to the campaign trail a little bit. As you travel the state, what is it that West Virginia voters are telling you? What do they want from their next governor? You know what? It's it's different depending on the different parts of the state. Um, I've had the I've had the privilege. I've lived here all my life. Uh, thought I knew my state, but I've had the privilege of visiting all 55 counties multiple times now. And and West Virginia is a very very diverse state for to be such a small state. Uh, if you go to the Eastern Panhandle, where Procter and Gamble is coming in and Macy's has come in, you know, their issues are infrastructure. Uh, if you go to North Central, where where the explosive growth has gone around Morgantown, Fairmont, Clarksburg. Again, it's infrastructure. Go to the southern part of the state. It's simply, please give me a job. Put me back to work. Give me an opportunity to, to, to support my family. Um, we face we we face issues on every front. I mean, uh, the drug epidemic that threatens to steal a generation from us, and and you know, unfortunately, that's rampant everywhere. It isn't just West Virginia, though. I think it it tends to be worse in West Virginia because there's so much hopelessness. So you know, it's it's a different messages from 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 around the state. But um, just like running a business, you don't have the you don't have the option of just picking one thing and working on it. We have a lot of things that need work on, and and we have to we have to attack them on all fronts. Senator Bill Cole is the Republican candidate for governor. He will face off with Democrat Jim Justice in the first of two gubernatorial debates Tuesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. I'll be moderating that debate, which you can watch or listen to on West Virginia Public Broadcasting or live stream at wvpublic.org. As a note, Jim Justice has been invited to sit down with us for an interview on this podcast, but has not yet responded to those requests. As we mentioned, voters across the country saw for the first time the two major party candidates for president take the stage together. That debate, the first of three, still has politicos arguing over just who can be called the official winner. Dr. Robert Rupp has an opinion, though. He's a member of the State Election Commission and a professor of political science at West Virginia Wesleyan College. Rupp joined me earlier this week to talk about the first presidential debate and what West Virginia's candidates for governor can take away from it. So, Dr. Rupp, many people are skeptical today about whether or not this debate Monday and the two others scheduled before the election will have an impact on the presidential election this year. But you say that as we look at presidential races in a historical context, televised debates really did change the way elections have been decided. Right. What happens, Ashton, with presidential debates is they don't exactly convert the voters, but they confirm the voters' opinion in terms of the impact of presidential debates. They're not crucial, but they are an important variable in the, in the ultimate decision. So can you pick one historical example of a televised debate and then kind of tell us what it is exactly that Clinton and Trump could learn from it? Well, I, I think for, for our listeners, we might go back into history 56 years 
and know that only the second time there was a televised debate in presidential election happened during the uh, presidential primary in West Virginia between Kennedy and, and, and Humphrey. It happened right there at the studio of, of uh, CHS right there on Kanawha Boulevard. And about 600,000 people were watching that night, and Kennedy won. And the reason he won is he portrayed a very positive image. When you're a candidate in a presidential debate, you have to show confidence. You have to speak in short sentences. You have to use statistics. And the other thing besides image that Kennedy had was a connection. You have to connect with your audience. And he did that by mentioning people in Logan County and even using a visual aid. So Kennedy kind of set the standard back there in May of 1960 on what you need to do. Now, if we jump ahead to uh, to this year's election, we have to look at the image and connection that both Hillary and, and Trump did. So let's start with the image. Hillary came in with a very positive image and showed it. So basically on that category, she won. Trump came in be needing to show us basically what we call cross the presidential threshold. Are we going to accept him as 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 a president? And that he didn't do that good of a job. But if we're talking about connection, Trump automatically comes in. He has an automatic connection. So it was up to Hillary that night to kind of show that she could connect with the voters. She she had a positive image, but she also made an effort, her best effort at, at connection. So overall, you know, she, in terms of image and connection, she she technically won that debate if those are the two criteria. So now West Virginia is heading into the first of two televised gubernatorial debates, where we'll see the lead candidates, Republican Senate President Bill Cole and Democratic businessman Jim Justice. When we think about historically what presidential debates uh, bring to the voters and also what we learned from Trump and Clinton in their first televised debates, what would you say the gubernatorial candidates need to do as they head into theirs? Well, in in many ways, you could say that the gubernatorial debate is even more important than the presidential, and I'll tell you why. Because most of the voters in West Virginia don't know that much about justice and coal. So this debate is a chance for the candidates to introduce themselves. So let's look at this question about image, okay? Coal already has a kind of a leadership image in terms of of how he looks, how he addresses, and I assume that he'll have a very confident manner. Justice really kind of needs needs a better image. He needs to kind of cross that threshold because you know that threshold that voters would say, "I can see him as governor for the next four years." So in a case, justice is going to have to come up with some specifics and statistics and and have to show us that he has the uh, knowledge and gravitas to be be the next governor. Now, if justice has trouble with his image, he has no trouble with connection. Cole needs to show the connection, and the trouble is... Coal is unknown in most of the state, especially in, in, in the north. So he's going to have to come in and, and show us that he can connect with the average voter. 
So in this gubernatorial race, we're essentially seeing the same thing that we're seeing in the presidential race just reversed. Cole seems to have the same problems as Clinton. Justice seems to have the same problems as Trump. That's exactly it. And, and it both comes down that that when voters look at a candidate, they're looking at two things. They're saying image is the look is very important. The image is very important. But the second thing they're always looking for is, does that candidate connect with me? So the questions of both image and connection, and as we pointed out, each coal and justice will each have two different jobs. Um, justice has to convince us, show us that he has the image of governor, and Cole has to show us that he can connect with the average West Virginian. Again, that was Dr. Robert Rupp, a political science professor at West Virginia Wesleyan College. This is Viewpoint from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Donald Trump told an oil and gas industry conference in Pittsburgh last week that if elected, he'll, quote, unleash America's fossil fuel sector, more fracking, more drilling and fewer regulations. But the oil and gas industry has shown less commitment to Trump than previous Republican candidates. The Allegheny Front's Reed Frazier reports that's because Trump is a Republican of a different stripe. At the David L. Lawrence Convention Center in Pittsburgh, Donald J. Trump introduced himself to the crowd of oil and gas executives with a promise. It's great to be with so many of my friends. Oh, you will like me so much. You will get that business. The fracking industry has made Pennsylvania the number two natural gas producing state in the U.S., behind Texas. And Trump gave the audience, many of whom took part in the fracking boom here, a campaign promise of fewer environmental rules and more help building pipelines and other big energy projects. I'm going to lift the restrictions on American energy and allow this wealth to pour into our communities, including right here in the state of Pennsylvania that we love. The oil and gas industry typically favors the GOP, the party of small government and fewer regulations. But Trump may have some work to do to tie down support from oil and gas. Hillary Clinton is actually raising more campaign donations from the industry than Trump is right now. Jeff Maurer is editor at America's Oil News and Analysis. He says some in the industry are leery of Trump, especially when it comes to his command of policy details. He recently came out in favor of an ethanol policy some refiners oppose. A few hours after Trump's position was posted on his website, the campaign took it down. They think Trump is speaking in these uh, uh, broad generalities. And then when he does get specific, uh, he'll pull back on it. So it's very hard to gauge, I suppose, what exactly Trump will do going forward. That's not such a great quality, especially for an industry that craves predictability and its political allies, Maurer says. Still, many in the oil and gas industry view Trump, with all his obvious flaws, as a better choice than Clinton for their industry. Michael Hines works for a West Virginia engineering firm that serves the fracking industry. He was working a booth on the floor of the convention center where Trump spoke. 
I do think that his heart is in the right place. I think that he wants to to do things that remove the barriers from making our country work better. And I feel like, you know, we're past due. We're overdue for that. Hines says he doesn't trust Clinton, citing scandals over Benghazi and her questionable use of a private email server. Still, Hines says he wants to see a little more out of Trump. I'm really, I'm a Republican. I've voted Republican my whole life. Um, I'm working my way toward Trump. I'm not there yet, but uh, he's got to start acting a little more presidential. He was heartened by the fact that oil billionaire Harold Hamm was advising Trump on energy issues. Hamm recently had to clear up one of Trump's positions on fracking when Trump told a news reporter he'd be okay with local fracking bans. These bans are vigorously opposed by the oil and gas industry. Hamm later had to say that Trump didn't, quote, understand the issue when he had first answered the question. It's moments like that one that give John Becker pause about voting for Trump. He's his own worst enemy. I think he would, this might not even be a race if Trump and his team could somehow prevent him from stepping on his own feet all the time. Becker works for a fracking equipment supplier in Ohio. He thinks Trump picks unnecessary fights, like the time he attacked the family of a soldier killed in Iraq. So who is Becker voting for? I'm leaning toward uh, Gary Johnson, actually. Gary Johnson the libertarian candidate. So given the choice between Trump and Clinton, Becker says he will take C, none of the above. For The Allegheny Front, I'm Reed Frazier. The Allegheny Front is produced in Pittsburgh and reports on the environment. More at AlleghenyFront.org. This has been Viewpoint from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Special thanks this week to Reed Frazier and the Allegheny Front. We'll be back next week with a recap of the first gubernatorial debate between Democrat Jim Justice and Republican Bill Cole. Again, you can watch or listen to that debate Tuesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. on West Virginia Public Broadcasting. We'll also be streaming it live on our website, wvpublic.org. That site is also where you can listen to weekly episodes of Viewpoint or subscribe on iTunes. Follow the show at ViewpointWV on Twitter. I'm Ashton Mara. We'll see you back here next week.